from Local 12 Sports. It's the Skinny Podcast. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Rick Boring. And as always, it's brought to you by Blake, the attorney Mason. We're going to talk some Bengals. We're going to talk some Reds. We're going to get into the gambling segment and the favorite part of the podcast for me, where you can ask me a question or any topic. Go to the Twitterverse, hit up the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. Rick compiles them. He asks them. I answer them. It doesn't have to be about sports. In fact, we kind of prefer when it's not about sports, but it can be about sports as well. All right, Rick, we got a lot to get to, so let's get to it. Yeah, absolutely. We did the college football preview a week or two ago. Well, this is the Bengals NFL preview edition this week. So we'll jump right into it. We got plenty of stuff to do, plus a lot of Ask Skinny Anything at the end of the show. So make sure to stick around for that. But Skinny, we have to start here. It bores me to death. I I listened to your guys' press conference with Joe Burrow on Wednesday, and it was worse than a root canal trying to get through this with you guys asking the same questions over and over and over. But we have to start with the Joe Burrow contract conversation because there's been so much conversation. There were rumors. There were Twitter or X reporters on Monday and Tuesday night saying Joe Burrow's parents are in town. It must mean that the deal is going to be announced. Lo and behold, we get to Wednesday's press conference. Still no deal done for Joe Burrow, at least not publicly known that it's done if, if it is. What is your take on that? I mean, is where are we at with this? Are you surprised that it hasn't been announced yet? Do you see any potential holdups? Um, I've answered that question a couple different ways, um, trying to be consistent with it, which is I'm a little surprised it's not done. But at the same time, I think everybody has to realize there is no hard deadline to get the deal done right now. It's a want to get it done by both parties, but he's under contract for guaranteed money next year. And sometimes when you don't have deadlines, deals don't come to fruition like they should. You know, the whole Nick Bosa situation was they kind of were up against the deadline. Either sign him or he doesn't play this week and who knows how long he doesn't play. And the Niners opted to cave in and and, and go ahead and sign him. And for the record, that's the same agent as Joe Burrow. So maybe that's a positive step that they finally found a way to get that deal done. The Burrow parents thing was funny. They were in town to promote um, uh, an event for the foundation. Um, so I think people people jumped to conclusions. They had a lot of knuckleheads that were tell, telling me and, and, and including in my business that 9-5, which was Tuesday, was going to be the day. That's what they've been waiting for because Joe Burrow wears number nine and T. Higgins wears number five. And I honestly, people that took that seriously are, are honestly dumb. Um, you know, then we got some guy out there who's who had complete contract details on it, including the guaranteed money. Neither side has negotiated this publicly whatsoever. So that comes out of thin air. So, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. If it's not done by game time Sunday, I will be surprised. But again, at the same time, pump your brakes a little bit because there is no hard, fast deadline to get the deal done now. Again, it would be a great thing to get it done. It would be good for him because then he doesn't have to worry about injury. But it's not a hard, fast deadline. But with the fact there's been so much conversation about it, and that's not the Bengals' problem. That's you know no. all the outside world that's worried about it. But with given that there is so much talk about it, and th- there is the want to get it done, at least from Burrow and his agent side, I would assume, and I would think the Bengals would want it done sooner sure. than later as well, is there any concern if it goes longer and into the season that maybe there's – some type of gap that they just can't seem to to meet halfway on? Yeah, that's a that's certainly a possibility. But like I said, when you have those gaps, those gaps close on both sides when there is a deadline to get it done. Right. Um, that, that's, that's just the art of negotiation is who blinks first when you blink. Well, if you don't have to blink right away either side, you kind of hold firm until you feel like you're going to get what you want. So um, 
I, I know the, the the brown or the the Blackburn and the Brown family are going to come under fire if this doesn't get done now. But I just go back to the whole concept of he is under contract next year for guaranteed twenty nine million dollars. Um, you know that that becomes then the deadline because he would be in the final year of a contract. You don't want him to dip his toe into the concept of thinking about leaving. I think he squelched a little bit of that yesterday with where talking about his desire to stay here in Cincinnati, play his career here in Cincinnati, and all of those things. So I. I I won't be concerned if it's not done Sunday. I'll be, it'll just raise my eyebrow a little bit of, huh, they are pretty far apart at this point because um, that feels like if you're going to get it done this year, it would be before Sunday rolls around and game time rolls around. I was texting with our former colleague, Jed Demusi, and I don't know what you feel about his level of stupidity, but I can say he, he was not uh, talking about the nine five date when he brought this up just to clarify, but he did want to know, is there the potential that, the Joe Burrow deal has been figured out and it's done mostly, but they're still trying to get T Higgins done. And Joe wants T to be announced first because it's, it, it, he knows he, he knows he's getting his money. He knows it's such a big deal for him. He wants to to give T his day. Yeah. And that's a possibility too. Um, you know, the, the problem, and this may be where the sticking point is to, to what Jed's point was. And I don't think it's a bad take. I don't think it's a, it's a bad opinion. Um, you know, uh, he, you're dealing with with an agent who represented Jesse Bates, and we saw how those negotiations went, right? And it just finally they just couldn't come to terms. Bengals put an offer on the table. David Mulligetta, the agent, turned it down. The Bengals then said, "Okay, we'll just take this to a franchise tag level." And then when it got to that point, it was we were drafting to replace you, and that may be the exact scenario that plays out with T. And that's you know maybe Joe is waiting to see if can something get done. And if not, I'm just going to have to move on without this because I can't get this guy signed, um, even though I'd like to have him on my team. Right. You mentioned all the the weird Twitter reports and everything else that has been out there this week about the deal is done. We actually already have the details and all that type of stuff. It was obviously silly. We all knew it was silly because of the way this thing has been handled all along. What do you make of all that? Because I, I deal with it a lot of times with the even with as little stuff as Xavier recruits and things like that, where people just want to throw stuff out there or they think they you've got one little piece of information such as the parents are in town. So let me just lean into what I think could possibly be happening and say, I've got sources and this has happened. Why does that happen so often? Why are people doing that? What do you get out of it? I don't, I don't, really I, understand. I don't either, but, but people want to be first for whatever reason. That doesn't mean they have to be right. I mean, but, but a lot of these people aren't even journalists or reporters or anything. They're just literally someone who's throwing it out there. Like yeah, I don't let, understand that. Let's not forget somebody put on Twitter that T Higgins deal was done three months ago, right? Right. Done. True. Yeah. I just, it's such a, it's such a strange world that we live in now where that happens pretty much for everything. Any little bit of news that comes out, there's someone interested enough to be like, Oh, I've got the inside scoop, even though they genuinely don't know anything about it. I I don't, that's just such a weird thing to me. I don't know why we do that. Yeah. I'm I'm with you, but I think again, it's an ego driven circumstance of, I want to be first. I have to be first. And if I'm first one time out of the 10 times I missed and by God, I got it right. Never mind the nine, the nine that I missed. So um, you know, have at it, folks. It it, it, it it is bemusing. I will tell you that. Yeah. All right, Skinny, let's get into actually talking about this Bengals team and this upcoming season. I'm going to start with a category that for me, I think is a tough one because we know so much about the guys that are coming back, what they're capable of, what they've already done in their careers. Do you have any potential breakout names for us heading into the season for the Bengals? Who is a guy that may surprise or maybe we haven't seen much of yet that is going to play a big role? So, yeah, I did a column on Local12.com on Tuesday. It's my annual predictions column where I, I pick an offensive breakout player and a defensive breakout player. And are you ready for the sexy name? It's the offensive breakout player. Please give Alex, it to us. Alex Kappa. 
I mean, oh man, that's where I'm at in the program. How many um, pancakes Papa is he going to have? He's coming off a really good year last year. Um, you know, PFF has him, I think, ranked as the 18th best guard in the NFL, which is a nice place to start. And I think if he plays the way he played last season and, and you know, another year in this offense, I don't think he'll be in Pro Bowl consideration because usually that's a multi-step process to get to that point. But I do think he's going to have a, a great season. And and I thought he had a really good year last year, second year in the offense. I, you know, it's Joe Burrow's not breaking out. T. Higgins is not breaking out. Um, Joe Mixon is, I don't think is going to break out. He was my breakout guy last year and he didn't you know, have a great season. I don't expect him to have a great season this season. And, and, and T Higgins isn't breaking out. You know, I think T has another thousand yard season and puts up normal T Higgins numbers. Uh, you know, I can't pick her Smith. So where am I picking on offense? I'm going with Alex Kappa of all people. Yeah. So is that just for offense or was that just, for the team? Just for offense. Okay. All right. De- what do you have for defense? Defense, I went with Cam Taylor-Britt. I, I, I thought he really got better as last season went along. I think he's had a really nice camp. I know he got beat a couple of times by Jamar um, on some go routes and a couple double moves, and some of that came when they weren't allowed to, to put hands on receivers, so he got kind of a free release. And anytime Jamar Chase is going to get a free release, you're probably dead as a cornerback. So uh, I took that with a little grain of salt. I mean, I love his physicality in the run game. You know, watching that that replay of the Buffalo playoff game that we had on, on star 64, which is our, our sister station to, to, to local 12. Just, I didn't watch the whole thing, you know, start to finish, but tuning in and out the physicality of Cam Taylor, Britt just shows up constantly. And I just think he's poised for in year two to, to make a big jump forward at that cornerback spot. I like that name a lot. Yeah. I'm he's one that I'm excited to watch this year. And part of the reason why I'm not as worried about the secondary, even though there's been some turnover back there. Everyone's talked about the safeties a lot and stuff, but I think they've got a lot of talent coming up in the secondary that are kind of ready to make their mark, and he, he's part of that. For me, I, I think I've mentioned this name every year for the last two years when we've done something of this nature. I think the first year it was like the rookie I'm most excited to see. Last right. year he was my breakout guy. This year, by God, he's my breakout guy again. I'm going with Joseph Osai. I love the guy. I just think at some point he is going to become an impact player in the NFL, and we're in year three. He seems to be healthy. I think it might be this year finally. He he made some big plays last year. Of course, he's he's most noted for the for the negative play on the on the unnecessary reverse on Patrick Mahomes, but he made some really big plays last season and thought he had a great camp and then unfortunately got hurt in that preseason finale. He's probably gonna miss at least this week and maybe next week. But I, I don't mind that pick. I, I my only problem for him is how healthy can he stay, right? Because that's been kind of the big part for him. Yeah, I guess I guess. Um, the ankle thing though, it's not, I mean, he's going to miss probably a game or two, you think? Right. Right. Um, but aside from that, like all the other stuff is healed up, right? I mean, there's no lingering issues from anything else. So no, he was great. He was, he was great in camp. Yeah. I would, I would hope a a turned ankle is something that, or a sprained ankle is something that that gets better with four to six weeks. And then you're kind of back to, to full strength, hopefully. And they don't, the thing is they don't need him right away. Like he can yeah, take his time to work his way back into the mix. Yeah, you're not going to force it, but I, I don't know if it's the don't need him. I mean, now back up in the rotation, I, I like Cam Sample. In fact, talking to Lou Anarumo yesterday, he he really praised because we kind of asked, you know, with Joseph likely out, who kind of becomes that third rotational end? Is it Miles Murphy, the rookie, or is it – I think that's the only name we somebody threw out who asked the question. Um, and he said, yeah, you know, don't, don't, don't forget about Cam Sample. He does a lot of things for us that maybe people don't see, and he's just a good, solid rotational piece. And so I'm, I'm kind of with you, but Joseph for me is that, is that maybe key missing component in the pass rush that really, if he takes a step forward, really is going to make that pass rush click. Well, but they're probably facing two teams that are 
probably more yeah. run oriented. No, that, that's a late bat, that's a, right. So that helps a little bit with great that point. Too. Yeah. Um, biggest concern for this team. What is it? We'll just leave it there. What is your biggest concern going in? Yeah, the biggest concern is always injuries to key guys. So we're going to throw that to the side. You can say that about literally every team in, in the league that has playoff and Super Bowl aspirations. Um, I, I think it would be that, that somehow, some way, Orlando Brown takes a step backwards. Because that you're, you're kind of basing the improvement of this offensive line on Orlando Brown handling his business at left tackle. There's nothing to suggest that's going to happen. Um you know, I, I, I just that that would be my one fear is you know Kansas City wasn't going to pay what it was going to pay, and it said you know we're okay without him. You know the track record is what it is. You got four straight Pro Bowl nods. Everybody thinks highly of him. It was a great signing. He looked good in camp. There were times that Trey Hendrickson owned him, um, and and uh, and so did so did Sam Hubbard a couple times. But you know some of that's camp stuff. Um, you know all the players when you talk to them about about him are really praiseful of, of what he can do and does. I, I guess that would be my only real fear is, I mean, I guess you could argue do the two safeties fall flat on their face and can't replace bell and Bates. I don't think that's going to be the case. Are they going to be bell and Bates? Not in week one, maybe not in week two, but I think as they evolve together, you're going to see them get better as the season goes on. So yeah, I guess that that's my lone fear. I don't have many fears. It's a really good roster. Yeah. I think with the, Orlando Brown thing, if you look back to last year, everyone was like, Lyle Collins is such a huge, massive get. He instantly upgrades the offensive line. He makes them so much better. And then you get to the season. It's like, well, yeah, he's he's better, but he's not really what we thought. So I think that concern with Orlando Brown is legitimate, even though everyone's saying, oh, he's such an upgrade. He makes the line so much better. And in theory, yes, he is better than any player they had last year, but it doesn't always quite work out the way you think when you get him into the mix or whatever. And we saw that last year. So I think that's a legitimate concern on the defensive side. For me, it's not like, I don't think these guys are going to be bad uh, in the secondary, or there's going to be a ton of miscues. I guess the bigger concern there is, I think the strength of the defense the last few years has been the continuity and the fact that they had that kind of, it, people call it bend, don't bend, but don't break. But it's more we're going to make you run a ton of plays to get into the end zone, and eventually you're going to screw up before we do. That's the concern: is do they have that same level of that same threshold of we're not going to screw up for 12, 14 plays on defense? You eventually are. Well, now do they screw up? You know, sooner before the offense does, and they don't get that big turnover in the red zone, or they aren't able to force the field goal in the red zone like they have so many times over the last few years. Do they just lose that little bit of an edge because? They don't have as much continuity and the same guys that have been together back there so so long. Yeah, I, I think having nine starters back helps, but that's a good point. I mean, I, I remember a piece I wrote, um, I think before the Kansas City game, about um, the fact of, of how these guys had all been in the system together, and especially Bates and Bell, how they're able to disguise so many things. And and because, you know, everybody trusts everybody else. You know, Lewis, Lewis talked about this yesterday of, you know, he feels good about Nick and Dax, but he said, you know, Jesse and Vaughn had, had – unspoken chemistry where Vaughn would know if a guy's coming across that he, he doesn't have to say anything to pass the guy off knows knowing Jesse's going to be where he's supposed to be. And Vaughn can take another responsibility. And so that trust factor that that comes into play, but I do think having nine guys with that continuity helps if it was three guys or four guys and you're mixing in a bunch of new dudes, then I think I'd be worried. But I, I think the fact you got nine guys that have been through this system a bunch together, um, is going to be a big help. 
Yeah, I agree. And I'm like super confident about the defense. That's not really a, a big no, concern for me. But if I'm looking for sure. something I'm trying to find, it's like maybe because they did seem to force a lot of uh, timely turnovers the last two seasons. I think Bell and Bates were a big part of that. Maybe they'll lose some of that. But again, I, that's me really grasping for straws in terms of trying to find a hole in this team. No, because I don't point. think there are one. There, no, I think it's a fair point. point. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it was an, it, the, the guys I interviewed for that story last year were really good in talking about how the trust factor and the, the, you know, the, the, they know each other knows what each other's doing, um, the, the communication between them, and they were able to really disguise a lot of stuff. I mean, you, you'd see Bates walk into the box, and then all of a sudden it's Von Bill Blitzen, and Bates is dropping back real quick. And, the, and it's not just doing that. It's the timing of doing that and knowing when you're supposed to drop and when you're supposed to come and not show the quarterback too early, just little nuanced stuff. And they were so good at doing that. And the trust that Lou has right. in those guys, knowing right. they know how to do that. It's like, well, do you get a little less risky or a little more conservative with these guys because they don't know each other as well? That's the small stuff that is like, we won't find that out until we're playing the Chiefs and yeah, whatever that is, you know, we said yeah. yeah. So, um, but we'll see how it all plays out. But Skinny, last season, the Bengals defied the odds, really, when they made the playoff despite starting 0-2. I think they then went to 2-3. and Is there reason to be concerned about another slow start? I mean, Burrow did miss all of training camp, basically, again, and all the preseason games. The starters didn't play in preseason. I know fans have been worked up about that. I don't think that matters. I'm curious to get your opinion. But is there a reason to be concerned about this team starting slow again? I don't think so. I, I understand it um, because of what happened last year. But to the point of that opening game, right, I don't think it was – I do think the fact of Burrow trying to come back from the appendectomy was a bigger factor than what we all probably thought it was going to be. I think that was yeah. part of it. But you weren't going to be able to change that with more snaps for Joe Burrow. He just wasn't physically ready to play. And you still almost won it. If your long snapper doesn't get hurt, you do win it. I mean, right. it was a freaky way to lose. Then they go to Dallas and they did not play well. There's no question about it. And that's about the point where they decided time to rip up the run game and let's start, start from there. That's when they kind of went to the RPO, started to go to the RPO concept a little bit more. So I think some of that was a feeling out process. I don't think you're going to have quite that this year because remember last year you had so many new offensive linemen thrown into the mix. You thought they were going to be a wide zone running team and they thought they had the parts for that. And they quickly found out, no, that's not this group's strengths. And they figured out what their strengths were. And the running game started to click and the offense started to click. So I I don't have that fear because they didn't have reps in, in preseason games. I don't. Yeah, I, I fans keep bringing that up. But my question is, if you were going to play those guys together, meaning the starters and let's say Joe Burrow was healthy, what's the most you're going to play them for? A series? A series. Maybe yeah. one series, the entire, the all three games. What does that actually do? Nothing. Right. I mean, they don't get on, uh, like, their chemistry doesn't improve. They don't get on the same page. They don't get ready for the next opponent. None of that. I mean, that's, and you're probably doing it in the second preseason games, meaning there's three weeks between then and the actual first. They would have literally zero impact on how they play against the Cleveland Browns in week one. So I'm willing to listen to potential concerns about, oh, Joe Burrow has been out and hasn't been practicing. Maybe he's got the calf thing is lingering a little bit. I'm willing to listen to those as concerns for a slow start. But the whole, like, the starters didn't get preseason snaps thing, quit quit telling me about that. They weren't yeah, – the most you. they would have played is one series. It literally means less than nothing to me. I, I agree with you. Now, I know you can point to teams around the league. The Chiefs played their starters, I think, in two different preseason games. Different Coaches have different philosophies. I mean, Andy Reid's an old-school guy with some new-school concepts, certainly, especially with how creative he is. But, you know, that's that's the way he does things. You know, if, if you look at what – to Zach Taylor's credit, he's kind of held firm in the way he wants to do this. He believes 
fresher is better. And, and there's probably some truth to that. Again, I know they were 0-2 out of the gate. If Clark Harris does not get hurt in the opener, they still win that game. Period. End of story. Right. I mean, it's a, it really is as simple as that. And by the way, the appendectomy thing is completely different from what he's dealing yes. with this year. This year, he's been working out like a maniac, it, more so than usual, because he hasn't been on the field practicing. So he took a little longer before he kind of ramped that that workout route, the offseason workout routine down uh, to get into to game shape. I, I think he's going to physically, he's going to be in the best spot he's been in yet since he's been in the league. Yeah, he said he feels the best he's ever felt going into a season physically. Says he's spinning the ball better than he's ever spun it before, and I'll take him at his word for that. Which, which, by the way, like, is the situation? I hate press conferences. I hate them, like doing it with college basketball. I think they're completely worthless. I'm not is, a big fan. Is the thing at Bengals press conference that you're all there and it's part of your job, so you all feel like you have to ask your question about the I, thing? I, I believe that's correct. I think that's, okay. that's probably right. Because I sat there and I listened to the whole interview with Joe Burrow, just in case there's something interesting for this podcast. And there were 17 different questions asked about a calf injury that isn't really an injury anymore. And that we all know he's going to start and play the entire game and everything's fine. And yet there were 17 different ways to ask about that injury. And he just kept answering them with non-answers, which he should do. Joe Burrow is exactly what you want in your franchise quarterback. He's boring. He, he says the right things, but doesn't say anything really interesting during his press conferences. He's the perfect quarterback in terms of answering those things. But it is absolutely brutal to sit through and listen to. I don't know how you guys do it. I would be ready to play in traffic on 471 after I get done with this. It's part of the job. It, it, it really is because that was that was hard. And then you guys get done with the, the injury thing, and it's like, all right, let's do 17 questions about the contract now yep. that we all know the answer to already. Yeah, we, we actually we talked afterwards as a group, and, and we were a little surprised that none of us brought the contract question up any sooner than what it was brought up. Well, well I, I agree with that. I was waiting for it, and then I was like, well, there's 17 questions about the leg first. So, yes, yeah. but then there were there were plenty you, of contracts. You know, part of it is you try to soften guys up with just kind of the ones you know you're going to get the easy answers for because you knew the contract answers were going to be non-answers or, or tough answers from him. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think there's really anything interesting to be said about a week one game, especially by your starting quarterback. But did you guys ever even get to asking him about the Browns or football? Yeah. I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah, no. To, um, one of the questions that I thought he answered it pretty good was, you know, the fact he's never won in Cleveland. I mean, now keep in mind, he's only started two games there, but he's also one in four in his career against the Browns. And he did say, I know that's a thing, but I'm not it's not in my mind. So it is in his mind if he knows it's a thing. So, you know, I, I thought that was an interesting answer to it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let's get into the uh, win total for the Bengals. Vegas always sets a win total for the team. It's usually a half number. You bet over under is kind of the way this works if you're not familiar with betting, which, by the way, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that because we've got legalized sports betting in Kentucky starting yes. today as we record this on Thursday. But uh, the total for the Bengals this year, Skinny, 10 and a half. What do you think about 10 and a half for the Bengals? So it went down. I thought it was 11 and a half at one point. It might have gone down. So I, I think it was at 11 and a half during the summer. Okay, and maybe the Burrow thing is what led to a win less, perhaps. I, I would take the over then. I, I I ended up picking 11 and 6 for, for my final record. And and I even wrote it when I wrote the, the analysis to why I picked it the way I do. I, I picked it into three categories. I don't do game by game. I think that's hard to do because you just don't know. I get people doing it and why they do. We all do things differently. I don't mind it, but it's just it's it's hard in my opinion to game by game. So I, I do what I call likely wins, likely losses, and then what I call swing games. Yeah, I think you I seven, the win two games, the lose two games, and here's fifteen swing games. Yeah, correct. <laughs> no, I went seven, 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 three, and seven in the. So I had seven swing games. Okay. So the seven, and I I even wrote, and it's funny because I look back the last at least the last. I think almost every year I've done this. 
I know the last three or four years for sure. There's always been one likely win that turns into a loss. And for me last year, I had them beating Pittsburgh in the opener as a likely win. That turned into a loss. And then there's always one likely loss that becomes a win. Last year, I had them losing at Tampa Bay, and that turned into a win. Um, last year, they went in. I had nine swing games last year. One of those was the Bills game that got canceled. So in the other eight, they ended up going six and two in swing games. I got them going four and three, but I made a case for them going five and two because three of the swing games are at home. Another of the swing games is at Tennessee, where they've they've wanted, you know, they've kind of owned Tennessee at Tennessee of of late, and they've won three in a row in the series with them. So they kind of have their number a little bit. So I could be talked into twelve wins. I don't see anything less than eleven, barring crazy injury stuff. So if it's ten and a half, I have to go over. I'm with you on the over number, and uh, I actually have them at twelve and five. Uh, so I'm pretty similar to you in terms of what I'm seeing. And I, I agree that it's hard for me to to get under that ten and a half number. Quite honestly, when I when I look at the way the schedule sets up. So you said, um, how many wins did you have automatic seven? I had seven automatic likely, I'm gonna, or likely. I'm I should try to look say. it up right now. Okay, so let me guess: Rams. Titans, Cardinals, Texans, and Colts are definites, right? Hang on a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the story so I can do it for sure. Off the, I, I, I do this stuff, and then I don't know off the top of my head how I do things. All right, here we go. Scroll to it. This is this is good podcast materials. Yeah, ha- has it, it been posted already at local12.com? It has been. I got it right here. All right, so do, do the ones you said you thought were likely wins again that I picked. All right, so I would say, looking at the schedule, Rams – Titans, Cardinals, Texans, and Colts are five of the seven. And then who did you throw in there? Seahawks at home? No, I didn't. That's one of my swing games. So here's the ones. I got Rams at Arizona, Houston, Pittsburgh at home, Indy, Minnesota, and Cleveland at home were my seven. I did not have the Titans. The Titans are one of my swing games, but that's one of the ones where I – I have them going four and three in swing games, and that's when I could be talked into going, that's probably a fifth win out of the swing games for me. Um, you want to guess the three likely losses? The losses are at 49ers, yep. at Chiefs, yep, and one of the AFC North games? or yeah, at, at Baltimore, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then the swing games are this game in the opener, the Baltimore game at home. So right off the bat, in my category, you're playing two swing games right out of the gate. Yeah, that can which, change which this a lot. I agree with completely. I mean, those are two huge games to start the season. The Tennessee game on the, just because it's on the road and they're a, they're a decent enough team. But again, like I said, I could easily be talked into saying that's a win because they've they've won lately. Seattle at home, Buffalo at home, at Jacksonville, and at Pittsburgh are all my swing games. Okay, so yeah, yeah know, I mean, the, the at the Titans game is one I feel like they should win, but it is on the road, so I get where. Yeah, that's that's probably the only reason I did it. Yeah, so I could okay. easily be talked into twelve wins. Yeah, I mean, look, this team won 12 games last year without getting to play the Buffalo game and after the start that they had. Yeah, right. No, so, right. I mean, it just – I feel like they are a better team this year. I feel like the schedule actually in some ways sets up better for them and more even for them than it did last year. Of course, last year we were all worried about the end of the schedule and they ran right, right through it with no problem at all. So right. shows you what we know. But, yeah, I mean, I, I 12 and 5 feels good to me. I definitely like the over 10 and a half. I mean – 11 to 12 feels pretty good. I, I, I think this is actually the first year in a long time that I'll play a Bengals total number. So season. in your opinion, and, and it's hard to do this because you have to kind of look at, you have to be looking at everybody's schedule, but just off the top of your head, is 12 wins enough to get the one seed in the conference? 
I think it will be, be partly because I think this conference is going to beat up on each other. I don't I think do anyone's going uh, five and one. Yeah, I mean, conference. I think Denver's much improved, which makes the series the with division. Kansas City tougher. I don't think Vegas is good, but still, to play at Vegas is going to probably be tough for Kansas City. And then, obviously, the Chargers are a playoff caliber team. I mean, the only division in which you can literally say sucks other than, than a team and a half is the South, where Jacksonville is probably the favorite to win it. And Tennessee could certainly give them a battle, but the rest of that division's not just slop. It's utter, it's an utter mess. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. There's going to be some cannibalization. I mean, you could clearly see that game in Kansas City um, on New Year's Eve being for the one seed in this, in this conference. It, yes. it feels like that's exactly what this is setting up to do. Yeah. No, I agree. What do you think about the AFC North? I'm sorry. I was a little, I was talking about the AFC North there initially when I, I said the five and one thing, what do you think, how the AFC North plays out? You see the Bengals winning for sure. And then. I do. And, and so um, I also, in, in the prediction column, I pick uh, I picked the North and I picked my, my playoff team. So I had the Bengals going 11 and six, because that's what I had them going with record wise. I got the Steelers going 10 and seven and finishing second and being a playoff team. I got Baltimore nine and eight and the Browns at eight and nine. And I know there's a lot of people bullish on Baltimore and I understand why I think it's a good roster. And I know they're trying to do things with Lamar to lighten the load in the running game, but he's also missed five games each of the last two seasons. That that doesn't scream injury prone, but the trend is he's going to miss games. And in those 10 games he's missed over the last two years, they're three and seven. So if Lamar misses a chunk of season again, I just, I'm just not bullish enough on them being able to overcome it. And history recently suggests he's going to miss a chunk of games again. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's completely fair. Okay. What about Super Bowl, Skinny? Do you have a Super Bowl pick? I do. I, 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 and I don't do this lightly. I'm, you know, if anybody's ever heard me from my radio days through this, I am not a homer by any stretch of the imagination. I know we're talking very glowingly about the Bengals because they deserve to be talked glowingly about it. It's a good football team. I have them beating the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, that's what everyone's been talking about ever since these two teams kind of came back to life over the last few years is what if they met up again yep. and, and did the repeat, uh, the whole Joe Montana game, reenact it. Hopefully the Bengals end up on top and Joe Burrow has his day in the sun this time. If you're a Cincinnati fan, that would be an incredible storyline. It really would. This city. I mean, <laughs> that's as good as it gets, really. You win your first Super Bowl by exercising the demons of two 49ers losses, right? Yeah. Oh, man, that... That would be incredible. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I actually, I mean, the whole thing with a lot of people picking the Bengals this year, I've seen, you know, Bengals over the Cowboys, I think was the AP's prediction. I love they the put Cowboys. Out the last eight, and which I actually like that, that call too. I think that that's a legitimate possibility this year. And I think in the NFC, it feels pretty wide open. The Eagles are clearly the best team. Them or the 49ers, I think are clearly the best teams, but it kind of feels like this might be a year where a dark horse wins the NFC because it does feel a little weaker at the top. I'm going to say Bengals beat the Saints. I'm going to say Derek Carr makes the Saints the surprise team in the NFC, and they make a run to the Super Bowl with Derek Carr. I I honestly, I I would feel good for Derek Carr because I think he's a really good quarterback who was very maligned in in Oakland slash Las Vegas. I do too. I think he's been in two kind of crappy situations. He's actually pretty darn good, especially if he's in the right situation. Like, it, it, I think he's one of those quarterbacks that's – he's definitely not an elite guy. He's not in the Burrow or Mahomes or any of those types of round. But he's probably somewhat – depending on how big you make that second or tier, he might he's in the second or third tier of guys, I think, talent-wise. And if you put him around all the right pieces, which I don't know if the Saints have exactly that, but I do think they have a pretty damn good defense. And I think Chris Olave is really good. And if 
Uh, Mike Williams comes back to life here. Mike Thomas. Yeah, Sorry, Mike, Thomas. Mike Thomas comes back yeah. to life here. Uh, I'll say I've read something about Mike Williams earlier who died. Uh, the the uh, receiver just the uh, former Bills receiver, I think. Uh, Bills in Tampa. Yeah, Bills yeah. in Tampa. Yeah. Um, anyway, if Mike Thomas comes back to life and can be maybe not his old form, but something close to, I think the Saints have a chance to surprise people. And again, I'm kind of picking a dark horse name here because I think the NFC is weak at the top. So it's funny. So I also picked all the playoff teams. I'm not going to go through the whole process. You can go to local12.com, read it for yourself if you care. But I actually, I literally flipped the coin between the Saints and Falcons who I picked to win that division and it came up Falcons. So I don't even have the Saints making the playoffs. Desmond Ritter Homer. That's all that is. That's Cincinnati homerism. I, I love their run game, and and I, I I love what the possibilities they can do to make him make make play to his strengths. Fair enough. But by the way, if I if I was really making my pick, I probably would have gone Bengals Cowboys. But after yeah. like the AP released that yesterday, it's like I can't say that. That's embarrassing. So uh, all right, anything else to get to Bengals related, NFL related? This is our season preview podcast. Is there any other hot takes you want to get out there, Skinny? No, um, uh, all I want to do is, is tell Spectrum and ESPN, get your act together so I can watch my games. That's Please. unbelievable that they're doing this right now. Well, I know it. I mean, if, if ever there was a time for people to just finally say, I'm fed up, I'm done, I'm cutting the cord, this is going to be it. I am. I mean, I've got my internet bundled with it right now, so we've we got to find another internet provider, but we're within an eyelash of just saying enough's enough. And listen, I, 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 I get why they're doing it, but at the same time, it's very annoying to all of a sudden have that creep up the day before and go, oh, yeah, by the way, we're not going to have any of your ESPN family of networks on the first college football weekend of the season. Yeah, and, and the problem with it is, okay, you can switch to someone else, but guess what? In two years, they're going to have the same yeah, problem. Like, I've, I've had that issue with multiple providers yeah. now. So I should do what a couple of friends do and just get pirate pirate cable. Yeah, well, that's not the worst idea in the world. Maybe if enough people start doing that, they'll figure out a better solution for all exactly. of us. All right, we uh, went long on that as expected since it is our NFL preview edition of the pod. We'll sw- fly through some Reds and college football talk here. Uh, the Reds are 5-3 and three since we last spoke. They're now 73-69 and 69 overall, five and a half games back of the first-place Brewers in the NL Central and a half game back of the Marlins for the third wildcard spot in the National League. Skinny, the big storyline surrounding the team recently is the addition of a pair of right-handed bats off the waiver wire last week. They got outfielder Harrison Bader from the Yankees and outfielder Hunter Renfro from the Angels. Bader hit 240 with seven homers in 80 games with the Yankees after missing the first month of the season with an oblique injury. Renfro hit 242 with 19 homers and 56 RBIs in 126 games with the Angels. The Reds added a little over $2 million in payroll to make these two moves. Let me ask you this. Do either of these additions move the needle at all for you down the stretch here? They didn't, um, but it does give them a better fighting chance against left-handed pitching, I suppose. Um, you know, It did not really move my needle. The one thing I will say is this. For everybody that wants to continue to relitigate the trade deadline, um, you know, to their credit, they held firm in what they wanted to keep asset-wise. I do think what this shows you, and I hope it shows what they're going to do this offseason, is they weren't willing to trade their prospects for short-term players. They were willing to at least sign a couple of guys, spent some de- decent amount of money here down the stretch to at least improve the team. I, I think that hopefully shows the direction they'll go this offseason. And to their credit, I don't blame them for standing firm at the trade deadline. I don't. I know yeah. a lot of people can relitigate it, go for it, but I, I think they, they held the right move. Well, we've talked about that multiple times, and you know, I don't think either of our stances had changed on that. And this, to me, as you just laid out, is almost a good sign in that regard of like, okay, this is the mindset they were taking. We were right. This is they didn't want to give away prospects. I totally agree with that. But they're they understand 
they have a chance now. The, the window is opening. They have some talent, and they're going to open up the pocketbooks this offseason, I think. I'm sure if you ask them, and they could go back to last offseason, they probably regret not spending a little more money off season, last offseason to try to make the team a little bit better. I don't think they had any idea that the team would be where it's at this year Agreed. and be in a race that, at this yeah. time. Otherwise, they would have spent the money last offseason. I think they were trying to get through that, say this is a developmental year. We'll, we'll start spending the money when the window opens. Well, it's wide open now. And I think this offseason, you'd expect them to spend a lot of money. If they don't, then we'll crush them for that. Correct. And it'll be warranted. But, I mean, do, doing it right now for the trade deadline that just passed, when it's like th- that wasn't a money thing. That was a not giving away your prospects thing. And I agree with that. And this was the first time they had a chance to spend money by going to the waiver wire when the Angels did the salary dump. And, listen, they tried to get those pitchers. They just weren't – it wasn't their turn to, to to claim them at that point. They got beat to the to the waiver wire by by a worse team's record. So, uh, you know, they, they might have gotten four or five guys if things had fallen right to them. How about the uh, TJ Antone starting the game? They treated it like, do you remember in Northern Kentucky when you were covering high school baseball, the Doc Morris wooden bat tournament? Oh, for sure, absolutely. You'd play like 14 games in a weekend. It was always on the same weekend as prom, so like half the varsity starters wouldn't be there for the second day of games. And they'd be like, okay, we're going to run Broaring and 16 other guys out to get us through this one pitching. That's what the Reds just did, and they found a way to win. That was I know. I mean, that, that literally felt like what that was about. There's no question. That, that was I was driving back from Bengals that night, and I didn't know who was starting. And, and they were talking about an opener on my mind. I'm like, who, who are they going to use to open? And then I heard TJ Antone, and he was great. Yeah, he yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And it's like, you're just thinking with each inning, it's like, all right, how long is he going to be able to right. go into this thing? How many pitches can he throw? And then you still got all this game to cover, but they each guy came in, pitched their inning or two, and did a good job. I mean, it was like, and I know he had a bad start last night, Lion Richardson, but that start he had on Friday, you know, he walks the side and then strikes out the side in the first. You're like, well, he's got maybe one more inning in him. He somehow gave him five innings that night. It was it was masterful, to be honest with you. They've they've had some this has been such a strangely fun season just because of the weird stuff that this team has done. They lead the major league in fun. There's no question yes. about that. I yes. mean, as much as any team I've ever watched, they've had just some absurd come from behind wins, some silly games, some weird games where like they're throwing relievers the entire game and somehow find a way to get through it. There is a ton to like about this team. Yeah, back to Hunter Renfro, by the way. He might be the slowest human being on the planet. Did you see the end of the the, the, the almost the greatest double play that almost was turned in baseball history? Unhitch the trailer, my man. See, so so we were I was at a we were at a euchre party on on that night, but we all kind of stopped playing to watch the ninth inning just because it was we had it on in the background and you know it was such an exciting inning. And when the ball was hit and the guy you know he he dove to catch it and then throws the second, I literally said out loud, "What are you doing, you idiot?" I mean, I thought the only play he had was at home. And then all of a sudden the camera pans and you're like, oh my God, that was almost a double play. <laughs> it was like Sean Casey is probably watching that smite it, <laughs> smiling and nodding, like, ah, There's nice. Good than me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is incredibly slow. You're right about that. Ooh. Uh little update on the injuries. There was a tweet from Charlie Goldsmith this week that David Bell said Matt McLean, due to his oblique injury, is out two to three more weeks. Jonathan India with his foot could start a rehab assignment within the week. He'll get a few games uh, within that rehab assignment. The, the injury thing is just not letting up for this team. No. They can't seem to get guys back. And then when they do get them back, the it doesn't seem to go their way. Either the injury is worse than they thought, or you have the Lodolo situation where he's now been shut down. For the, I mean, how crazy is the Lodolo thing? It went from he's got a little tendonitis in his calf yep. to he's got a stress reaction to – He's going to do a rehab start. Oh, no, he's got another stress reaction, and now 
Is there surgery? Is there not surgery? They say there's not going to be surgery, but he's shut down for the year. I mean, you're wondering if this guy is ever going to be right again. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of that for sure. I'm very fearful of that. I mean, that's just those when you get into stress, uh, they're called stress reactions, not stress fracture. But when you get into that, and it keeps happening over. That can be a concerning thing. No question. Uh, Xavier's dealing with that right now with one of yeah. their star players and Zach Fremantle. So, uh, all right, let's get on to the college football segment of the program skinny we got to see all the local teams in action also got some good national storylines to talk about we'll start with cincinnati because they were the most impressive local team the offense exploded for 66 points in their 66 13 win over eastern kentucky they have a big game at pit on tap this week which will tell us a lot more about the team because eastern kentucky was just completely overmatched emory jones did go 19 for 23 for 345 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. He also ran for 26 yards and a 26 yards and a pair of TDs. Skinny, what'd you think of uh, UC in their first showing? Granted, they, they played Eastern Kentucky. We understand that, but the offense, impressive. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm. I said it last week's podcast. I'm not a huge Emory Jones fan, but good for him. I mean, it gives him obviously a much needed confidence boost right out of the gate. Um, you know, he he is. He's going to overmatch in Eastern Kentucky. I, I want to see how he does when there are like athletes and like players on the field to him. I mean, he was the best player on the field on that day. And he showed it. To his credit, he showed it. But, yeah, if you, you talk about if you wanted a confidence boost for everybody coming out of the gate, you got that and then some. I, I thought Eastern Kentucky would, wouldn't play them tough. I think I, they had like a three-touchdown margin, something along those lines. But you see dominated from John. I mean, going forward on fourth and five from the 50 on the first series – and then throwing a touchdown out of that. I mean, to their credit, they, they, if you're a UC fan, you got exactly what you wanted. Now this week is going to certainly be a dog fight with Pitt. And we'll talk about them in just a, a bit, but uh, good kudos to Scott Satterfield in that, in that team. I mean, they, they, they did what you should do to an Eastern Kentucky. Exactly. Yeah, if you're Scott Satterfield, you answered all the questions and all the other stuff in week one, the way you should have. I mean, you've got the the fan base behind you now. Everyone's all excited about what you put on. Because we were talking about them scoring 30-something points. Yeah, right. They scored 66. Right. I mean, yep. that's pretty absurd, to be quite honest. And I look, Eastern Kentucky was completely overmatched if you watched the game at all. They had no one that could cover Xavier Henderson, the, nope. the transfer from Florida. He looks like he's going to be a stud for UC. So, so that's a big deal that Emory Jones has, a, a legit dude to throw to. Uh, at the receiver spot. He went for seven catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, they played in that together game. in Florida. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he, it's nice that he has that at least, but y- y- we'll see a lot more this week against Pittsburgh, who I don't think is all that good. I, I think that's a game that you see can still win or should still win, maybe even, but it's a far cry from what you saw last week against EKU with probably half their team should be playing at Thomas Moore. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you see, obviously, put up gaudy numbers offensively, Pitt defensively playing even a lesser team than Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky is probably going to be an FCS playoff team um, when all of a sudden none they were last year. Uh, so, they're, you know, they got belted last week. We'll talk about them playing Kentucky this week. So they're going to start 0-2 with two blowout losses, but still probably will find a way to make a run to the FCS playoffs. Walford's picked like seventh or eighth in their league. Pitt beat them 46-7, to but they dominated the other way with their defense. They gave up 51 yards until Walford scored on a 75-yard touchdown on the final play of the game. Uh, Wofford ran 34 offensive plays. That was it. So they did what they should do to a Wofford defensively, like UC did to what the Eastern offensively. But then it feels like, all right, you're going to get those two forces colliding this week. The pit defense that was dominant versus the UC offense that was dominant. Let's see which one's the better unit. 
Yeah, and, and to be quite honest, I mean, I talked about this last week. Going into the season, I wasn't necessarily expecting the offense to be the strength of this UC team. No, I really. thought it would be their defense. So I, I we might too. see a, a defense-on-defense matchup here in this second week. Uh, with Kentucky, they looked sloppy, I would say, but they managed to still win 44-14 over Ball State. They've got two snores coming up in EKU and Acker in the next two weeks, so we won't really get a lot out of out of these two games. But, Skinny, I think what we saw was the Liam Cohen difference. I mean, they didn't look in sync. To be quite honest, I thought the receivers looked like they hated Devin Leary. They weren't on the same page at all, and yet they still put up 44 points. I think it just tells you kind of the expectations for this group this year. Yeah, now people can point, and they're right. I mean, seven of those points came on a scoop and score fumble return. Seven of those points came on a kickoff return. But they also – that took away two offensive possessions as well – they did average seven yards per play, um, which is really good, to be honest with you. You're right. I mean, Leary, the, the first half, I think he was um, like eight of 20. Uh, and then he finished completing 10 of his 11 passes in the second half. And out of the eight, out, you know, out of the 12 incompletions in the first half, two were probably bad decisions. One was an overthrow. And then there were a couple he threw away. And then there were a bunch of drops. So it was a up and down performance for Leary. But I, I thought the second half showed that one half of getting some game stuff under his belt with his guys really showed out. Yeah. Well, and the, and the drops, there were drops, but there's also drops with guys, bad body language, kind of hanging things and looking back at him. Like I'm up here where you throwing that type of deal. And there's a lot of not on the same page type stuff going right. on early in that game. And I, I did think it got better as it went on, but I'm going to keep an eye on that as I go through the seasons. Like what's that chemistry like between him and the receivers? Cause uh, as Dion laid out last week, you don't necessarily have to like each other. You don't necessarily need chemistry to be good, but it is an interesting little wrinkle to this whole thing. The one question I have for you is they're going to score a billion against this EKU team. They, right. EKU stinks. But do you think Stoops tries to top Satterfield's margin of victory? A little old UK L rivalry there. That's, that's a great question because I know this for a fact, because obviously we're in a, in a region where we obviously are in a Cincinnati market, so we have a lot of UC fans, but you also have the Northern Kentucky market with a lot of Kentucky fans. You know that those who work with each other, that is one's a UC fan or grad, one who's a UK fan or grad, whichever p- margin of victory is going to be more is going to be, see how much better my team is? My team won by 53. Yours only won by 45. Skinny, I'm not so sure knowing the UK Louisville people that inside the UK coaching offices, they're not talking like that. Maybe. I'm not sure that Stoop staff isn't going to be saying that next weekend. So I, I think that that might be a real thing. I would have said UK will, you know, only score, you know, 49 points in this game. But after seeing UC put up 66, I'm like, Stoops might try to go for 70 against these guys just because Satterfield did it last week. Yeah, I, I mean, Satterfield does credit. I mean, he, he got his backups in there. He got Lichtenberg some good snaps. And I, I would think Stoops tries to get Kyra Sharon some snaps in this game at quarterback. I think they were hoping to, to get some snaps from their backups a little bit more in, in this past game. And they just they just didn't want a lot of plays. I know people are also pointing, and they're right. I mean, Kentucky did score on a, on a 26-yard touchdown run with just seconds to go to get the cover, um, which was nice for the record. But at the same time, his point was, and I don't think he's lying about this, I, I, they needed to run some plays. They just didn't run a lot of offensive plays in that game. Eh, I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm buying that. I love I love Liam Cohen and, and Mark Stoops for covering that spread. And that's exactly what they were doing on that play. Yeah, well, I hate James Franklin for what he did in the West Virginia game because that, that cost a spread the other way. Well, I disagree. I was on that too. I had two of like the greatest covers of all time this week. It was a great first betting week. Now, I didn't do well overall betting, but those two games were almost worth it to to come from behind and get those on the back door. Uh, Skinny Ohio State looked less than impressive in their 23-3 win over Indiana. 
They have Youngstown State and Western Kentucky up next uh, over the next two weeks as they try to figure this out. I guess the big story here is just the quarterback situation because I was thinking towards the end of the preseason when people were talking about, oh, Devin Brown might be moving up the ranks. There could be a little bit of a quarterback competition here now for the starting spot. I thought that was going to be because Devin Brown was too good. I thought that meant he was kind of winning the job. It turns out, based on what we saw in week one, and granted, this is just week one, there were concerns about C.J. Stroud a few years ago against after he played against Minnesota. We were all talking about, is he really the guy? So, you know, pump the brakes, obviously. But after what I just saw week one, I'm convinced that the issue wasn't Devin Brown was making a quarterback competition by playing too well in preseason. The issue was they don't have – it's the, the classic, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one situation. That's correct. Kyle McCord isn't good, and they don't trust Devin Brown at all. They only gave him two series and didn't and let him run. And they didn't run it very well either. They didn't run it very consistently. That was surprising well to me. I, that was to me too. I thought they'd lean heavily on the run, on the run game and, and be effective in doing so. And maybe that's a tip of the cap to Indiana's defense. Um, you know, it is at least a Big Ten opponent. It's a lesser Big Ten opponent. But still, again, maybe that's a tip of the cap to, to IU's defense. But, um, you know, they've got a couple of weeks now to figure this out and they need to figure it out quickly. And maybe if it's, maybe if Devin Brown is more mistake prone, but more dynamic, maybe that's the route they go. Or maybe McCord grows into this first start, all of those things. They maybe played a little safer than than they would and and will down the road, but it was not a very impressive offensive performance. Defensively, they dominated, but I think they also dominated because the quarterback play for Indiana was so damn bad. Yeah. It was an ugly game. It was not fun to watch at all. Uh, McCord. No, that said, and that said, and you're right. It was not, but it's still a 20-point win on the road inside your conference. That's the thing. I mean, look, and I was going to ask you about that because Ohio State did drop from number uh, three to number five in the updated AP poll this week. Was that warranted in your opinion? Uh, Yeah, I think sometimes that's more teams rising more than you're falling early in the year. And it's it's always a hot take. I mean, Colorado got ranked off of that win. Come on now. Colorado's Colorado's still going to be lucky to win three games. It was great. It was a fun, fun game to watch. I know. Sorry, Dion. I, 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 I I appreciate it. TCU's not very good. I I think we all discounted how many guys they lost off of that team last year. Um, So it was, it was fun. Good for them, but I'm still not counting on them to win very many games. Well, we're, we're going to talk a little more about them in just one second, but okay. uh, f- finish up the Ohio State thing. Did you have uh, a point you wanted to make on? No, just just the whole with the, the dropping. No. Yeah, I don't. I think it's more teams rising than them dropping, and it's only a couple of spots, and they're still a top five team, and that keeps them very much in the conversation as we roll through this season of, of being in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I actually like this. Now, I don't. You know, I'm not saying that Ohio State is screwed off of week one, but I actually like when the polls are more dynamic. I think they should be reactionary from week to week. And I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, yeah, you drop them two spots. It doesn't mean someone else now has to lose for them to move back up to Correct. three if you Correct. see them the next three weeks and they look great. Like, I think pollsters should be more willing to move teams in and out and not st- stick to hard rules like, well, this team didn't lose, so I have to keep them ahead of this right. team because they haven't lost right. yet. It's like, no, just rank whoever looked best to you. I'm fine with that. I, I think the polls should be more about fun and more about creating interesting storylines. So uh, I have no issue with that. From a national perspective, Skinny, the Colorado story to me Crazy. was the story of the week. They beat Absolutely. number 17 TCU 45-42 in Coach Prime's first game. The Travis Hunter thing, him playing both ways, receiver and defensive back, looks like one of the best players in the country at either at either position. Who's the last guy that did this? Chris Gamble? Uh, Chris Gamble, yeah, obviously did it. You know, Charles Woodson did it before him. But yeah, I but guess. Was, but Charles Woodson was mostly a defensive player, right? Yeah, did correct. He? No, I, um, 
Chris Campbell's probably the most recent that comes to memory at Ohio State doing it. You're right. I mean, this is truly a guy splitting. How many, sna- how many snaps did he end up playing? I know it was a hundred and twenty something. Yeah, I, think. I, I mean, knew it was a crazy. Yeah, he crazy truly number. played both sides of the ball the whole game. He yeah. wasn't. He wasn't like he is our defensive star, and we use him as a special weapon on offense. He's our go-to receiver and our number one shutdown cornerback that the other team's scared to throw to. I've never seen anything like it, and he's. He's really that good. I, I heard all the hype and saw him at Jackson State, and I was like, okay, we'll see at the high major level. He's really that that good. It's crazy. I mean, the, intercep- the interception was ridiculous. Oh, I mean, in the red was, zone. It, it was absurd. I mean, I, I think the quarterback tipped it off a little bit, but the fact that he had to make such – from where he came from to make that interception and then dive in front of the guy to get it was ridiculous. Because I didn't, I didn't see the number initially, and then when he rolled over, I saw the name on the back. I went, oh, my gosh, that's him making that play. Yeah. Well, in and, and, and that situation, it's almost just much about, as much about having the energy right. to be able to break on that ball and read it and make the play at that point when he's playing both sides like that. And, and the other thing with him and Shadur Sanders is these guys are, are good athletes, obviously, but their feel for the game was, yeah. I, like like you said, him reading that, even though the, the quarterback may have uh, telegraphed it a little bit, and then Shadur Sanders, it felt like he was making great decisions from the quarterback spot. Well, you talked about all the snaps he played and whatnot. How many go routes do you think he ran to on top? Not just staying in the game and, and taking snaps and running routes, but go routes on top yeah. of it. He's sprinting 60 yards on half of those possessions on offense. I know, that's what it one. felt like. Um, I mean, these this team had 86 new players, transfers, great. JUCOs, freshmen. They were 1-11 last year. They lost games by an average of 29 points per game, which was the worst in the country. Oh, they were ugly. They were ugly to watch. They were, they were they were ugly to watch on both sides of the ball where Iowa was just ugly to watch on offense, but they were <laughs> ugly to watch. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine being a Colorado fan? Right oh, my now? gosh. You went from our team and, and program is completely forgotten about where the doormats were, you know, Big 12 is in flux, all this stuff's going on, and we're just forgotten. No one cares at all. To all of a sudden, wait, we just hired Deion Sanders, and now everyone cares, and we're in the national spotlight? And oh my God, this might actually work. Like you, you win that game last week. I can't imagine a more euphoric feeling as a fan right. other than maybe winning the title. I mean, th- yeah. this is about as good as it gets when you have this much hope from a, a team that was so hopeless a year ago. I mean, to be honest, even if they'd have lost 45, 42, you would have gone, Hey, and we got, we got something cooking here. Maybe. Absolutely. Now I will say, I completely disagree with you on the only win in three games thing. Okay. I, I I'm not saying they're good, but I, only three. I think this is a, a top 25-ish team. I think they are competitive. Now, they, they may lose close ones in the 40s a lot because I, I do wor- wonder defensively how they're going to hold up. But Yeah, because they, they ended up having, what, two? They, they they came away with two takeaways in the red zone, and then the guy also doinked one off the upright or missed yeah. one wide right, whatever it was. I mean, that's some good fortune. 17 points. They almost gave up, in theory, 60. Right, exactly. And I think that's going to be pretty common for them. I think they're going to struggle with that. I was super impressed with their offensive line though. I couldn't believe the job the offensive no, line I, did. From a cohesion standpoint, especially, I mean, you're right with all the new pieces in there to be that cohesive in week one. Yeah. I mean, I thought, okay, it's great that you're getting rid of all these players from Colorado because they're not good enough, but to some extent, just having some chemistry and some continuity from year to year for the, for the lines, the offensive line, defensive line is so important trying to bring in all these new ragtag groups to to fill those two are going to be tough. And defensively, it looks like it is going to be tough. But offensively, I mean, they've got the skill pieces. If you can give them any time and protection, which they did, uh, they've got a chance. I just, again, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win anything of consequence or go, even going to have a winning record, but I think they're better than only winning two or three games. Well, I will say I was going to make that under bet and never got around to doing any of the season win totals. So I, maybe I saved myself some money. I should have <laughs> believed, Prime. I should have believed. 
<laughs> you didn't fully <laughs> did that drive you nuts his uh, post game stuff or do you think it was funny? It, it didn't. Normally it would, but that's that's him in a nutshell. And to his credit, I mean, listen, he every time he's done something in his life, you know, where he says he's going to do it and get it done, he does it. I mean, I'm going to play football in a World Series game in the same day. Um, I'm going to go to Jackson State and and revive that program and win. And you're like, yeah, sure you are. Good luck. It's it's a tough place to recruit to. You're never going to do it. He did. He told everybody what he's going to do. I'm going to kick most of these guys off the team because they suck, and I'm going to bring in guys I think don't suck, and uh, we're going to be good. And okay, you, I can't see anything other than through week one. You've proven it, but it's more than week one that that you got to go off of. Yeah, and I I'm with you on that. Like to to some extent, there's just a level of if you're going to completely be yourself and you're going to walk the walk and back it up consistently, kind of got to respect and appreciate all the, all the nonsense that comes with it. And like, look, media people have weird egos and do all types of weird things themselves. I have no issue with them getting called out. And it's, it's all content anyways. Like this guy, whoever's getting called out in his press conference, you're just getting a little more notoriety. It's not like anyone's like, Oh, you're now bad at your job because Dion said he didn't believe in him. I didn't see the column, but it was a column, I think, in the Denver paper the next day. And the headline was, we believe, Coach Prime. And, 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 you know, it was an opinion piece of, hey, you told us to believe and you proved it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If you write anything else in that area right now, you might. I mean, you're just going to get pelted with tomatoes while you walk the streets. I mean, you you can't say anything but positive stuff about Colorado football this week. So, all right. Anything else on college football or can we move into our betting picks? Let's move to the betting segment. All right. Uh Skinny, today, Thursday morning, as we're sitting here, betting is legalized in the state of Kentucky. Now, you won't be able to use it on your apps. That's not going to happen until September 28th, a couple Thursdays from now. But brick-and-mortar betting facilities are open and and ready to take your bets. The only two local facilities in northern Kentucky that you'll be able to place bets, though, are Turfway in Florence and Turfway Racing Game in Newport. Correct. That's correct. So, So I just got a text from a friend of mine who apparently tried out Turfway. And the text literally says Turfway is a piece of, and you can fill in the blank. Okay. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound great. Uh, the, the only thing is I've heard Turfway was trash with their new update in general. So is this, is this the first time he's been out there? Is no, he pre- no. Okay. No, so he's, he's talking specifically about sports camp. Yeah. Then. I'm gar- I know he, I guarantee he went out there. Not great then. Not great. So we'll see uh, how that looks. I, I don't, I mean, the thing is, we have it in Ohio now and mostly use the apps anyway. I have bankroll in yeah. the app, so I'm probably still going to be going to Ohio until the 28th. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I, I, I love going to Hollywood, and I love having the ticket in my hand. But once I, I, I stopped doing – I didn't do a whole lot of baseball stuff. I just the grind of baseball Same. season. I'm not in Ohio very much in baseball season either, so I really didn't do hardly anything in baseball season. I actually made a couple of golf bets more than I made baseball bets. I think I'm with you, though, Rick. I, as much as I like that – I, I the, the app in your state is much easier. I, if I, when I was driving over to Indiana, I know we joked about using the app in the Circle K parking lot and all that. And I, I never got around to doing that. Actually, I did not like the bar. I think I told you this on the podcast. I didn't like the Barstool app. It kept updating and it kept having to redo my password. And finally, I just said, the hell with it. I'll just go into your sports book. And then I stopped altogether. Once Ohio came along, I would actually drive up to Kilby Road and get off. There's a shell station there and actually sit there and use the app, the Ohio app. So I think I'm with you. I think, I think I'll, I'll end up using the Kentucky apps more than I go. Yeah. I just go over to Belterra's parking lot now. Cause I'm in Newport. So it's right across right. the bridge right. there by river bend going to Belterra's parking lot. And there's always 
20, you know, 10, sure. 20 other dudes doing the same thing, just parking there and, and using the app. So uh, again, online betting will launch Thursday, September 28th. So that is coming for you Kentucky residents like me and Skinny. Skinny, great week for you last week. We got a text during the games and somebody just tweeted at me, said Skinny casually getting all his betting picks right. <laughs> uh, you went 4-0. and We did. I did not include the UC game because the lines, both of the lines were very close to where we were picking. And that probably would have changed yeah. You probably would have gone one way or the other away from it had you known what it was. Yeah, I think what it, it, it was, what, 21 and a half or 20 and a half? Yeah, I think it was 21 and a half, yeah. I believe. Um, but e- either way, I just didn't count them because that would have been two losses for you, and that really wouldn't have been fair because you were right. Your picks were almost dead on um, in terms of the – not not the total, obviously, but the um, – the total. Thanks, thanks, thanks to Ray Davis running one in. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, Saturday at noon, we've got Youngstown State at Ohio State. Ohio State is a 41.5-point favorite. I didn't see a total for this game. I'm going to guess it's like 59 or and a half gonna, or something. I'm going to look and see I, if I can find one. I, I didn't I checked see them one. all right before we started. I don't think yeah, I don't even. Anyway. Yeah, the one, I, the one I'm on doesn't even have the line for it, so I'll, we'll go with the 41.5, and, a half and yeah. we'll do a final score, and I guess we'll use that as the over-under. Let's just do that. Uh, uh, you, uh, fifth, I'll set it at 59 and a half as the over under. Are you that, good that with that? Good with me. Uh, right. Yeah, that's fine. All right. I'll, I, so I'll go Ohio State. <laughs> I'll go Ohio State 51 to nothing. I, I, okay. I, their defense really did look, look the part against Indiana. Um, obviously, Youngstown's not going to have near the talent of Indiana, and they held Indiana to a field goal. So I think they blanked this team. I think it's going to create some shorter fields. Um, certainly get yourself a confidence boost on offense. In fact, it could be ugly. This if this could get to the 60s, to be honest. It's a bad spot for Youngstown to be in, to be honest with you. I, I couldn't agree more. I think after what happened last week with the offense looking so sluggish and all the negative things they've heard this week, Ohio State's going to try to go score 70 in this one. So I'm going to go Ohio State 59, Youngstown State 10, but I could see this being a lot more points than that. I'm definitely betting the over in, in that one. Uh, Saturday at 3, we've got Eastern Kentucky at UK. The Wildcats are a 31 and a half point favorite. The total is 56. Yeah, I, I think I don't think they do what Cincinnati did. Um, I don't know if there's going to be enough possessions in the game. I think they'll lean heavily on the running game to get it going um, and probably rotate a bunch of backs through to get them some touches. I don't know how long Leary plays um, in this game. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a little bit more of a rival to some extent. I mean, Richmond's 30 miles away, 30 minutes away and, and whatnot. So it's a rival it, I, for who gets the last case of beer in the beer cooler between correct. the gas stations, not on yeah, the football I mean, field. The, 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 the spread doesn't seem very hard for Kentucky to cover in this one. I, I don't believe, I think they'll play much better offensively. I think they'll be more efficient offensively. I mean, it, they could have 41 at the half for goodness sake. So I'll go, I'll go Kentucky 55 EKU on a Cam Hergett seven yard run seven. Beachwood grad Cam Hergen. That's right. Uh, we're we're very similar in this. I had Kentucky fifty two, EKU seven. So we're both on UK and the over here. I, I love that thirty one and a half number too. I agree with you. Th- like thirty five point spread feels automatic in this game. Yeah, and if if you want to feel feel good about it, if you're doing a bet and if you want to put it in a parlay, maybe bump it down to thirty, get the half off of there, get the one off of there, and that way a thirty one point spread is is easy easier to cover. I was thinking the opposite. I'm going up to 34 and a half. <laughs> well, you, want, you, want the added, you want the added value. That's yeah. not a bad call either. Yeah. All right. Uh, Saturday, 630. We've got Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a seven-point favorite. 45 and a half is the total. This is the big game of the week for local college football fans. Yeah, I, I think this is a close game either way. I, I'll, I think I, I think the, the, the spread number, I, I love UC to cover that number because I think they can win the game. I'm not going to pick them to win. 
I'll go pit 24, 21. Um, yeah, I'll go pit 20. That's just under the number, right? Uh, yeah, it would be a half point under. Yeah, I'll go, but I'll go pit 24, 21. You see, win isn't out of the question. And I, I don't see pit winning by more than a touchdown if it fair. wins at all. So fair enough. This is, it's funny. Cause I was debating the same thing. I was at the 24, 21 number. I go, you know what? I think what you see is going to win this. And I'll say it goes over. So I went UC 27, Pittsburgh 24, uh, UC and the Ever. We're both taking UC here from uh, against the spread perspective, though. You have Pittsburgh winning the game outright. Sunday at 1, we have Bengals at Browns. Bengals are 2.5-point favorite. The total is 48.5. Yeah, I, I, this, the, the, the under feels like the play to me here because um, yep. it's the opener. I think you got two good defenses that go in healthy now. The 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 uh, Denzel Ward situation is interesting. He was on the injury report, still with the concussion early in the week. Um, so if, if he doesn't play, and it sounds like it's trending towards he's going to play, I guess that that could change the dynamic of it a little bit because he's such a good player. But yeah, two good defenses. Jim Schwartz now the defensive coordinator has a Super Bowl ring to his credit in Cleveland. So I think this is this is a little bit on the low scoring side for for these two teams. I'll go Bengals 23-20. Um, it won't be a field goal with the gun, but they hang on to win it by three. So I'll go Bengals in the under. Yeah, we're dead on. I said Bengals 24, Browns 20. So Bengals and under for me as well. Uh, I, I don't have, I'm sure one of the 750 Bengals podcasts that are online now have better stats or someone's done a deep dive into this. But I have, to me, it seems like Zach Taylor's always a little conservative early in the season. And last year it was partly because the running game thing was still getting figured out. They, I think they didn't know exactly what they were trying to do with that. And obviously Burrow coming back from the appendectomy. True. True. But it felt like, I mean, it just seems like there's always a lot of three and outs early in the year and a, a lot of punting. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay with the under number to start here. Uh, Skinny, do you have a favorite bet of the week that you like? I do. I got a 14 teaser. I'm gonna oh, te- geez. I'm going to tease six and a half. I'm going to tease six points. All right. For this, I'm going to take the Giants. They play the night game. I'm going to take the Giants at home up to nine and a half against Dallas, even though we both are bullish on Dallas this season. That just seems like a lot for a, for a, an, an opener at home. And the Giants are a playoff caliber team, in my opinion. So I'm taking them up to nine and a half. I'm taking Pittsburgh up to eight and a half. They're at home against San Francisco. And I think they have a real shot to win that game outright. And I'm getting a touchdown plus at home. I'm going to take Minnesota down to a pick them against Tampa Bay at home. And I'm going to take um, – uh, I just lost him. I'm going to take Washington down to minus one at home against Arizona. All right. So you got Giants plus nine and a half, Steelers plus eight and a half, Vikings pick them, and Commanders minus one. Yep. Is that right? All right. Yes. So that's a four-team teaser for you. If you don't understand, the teasers, it's very similar to parlay. You have to do at least two teams together in the bet. Uh, but you get to change the spread in your favor. So uh, meaning if it's a six-point teaser, you get to – add six points to your total if you're an underdog or uh, vice versa if they're the favorite. So uh, it's, I, it's, a, it's funny. I, lo- I, I love NFL teasers, Rick. I know they're sucker bets. They aren't for me. I, I don't do college ones. They're just the, 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 the point spread differential in college games is just so volatile. volatile. In the NFL, you're usually within the number enough. Occasionally you're going to get snapped on a, on a goofy one where you're like, how did that team lose? Like, I mean, honestly, this week, if, if Arizona, I, I think Washington's going to be for a lot of people in their survivor pools, the, the, maybe their their week one pick. So I'm all I'm asking them to do is win the game, for goodness sakes. But there's always that weird week one. Remember last year, I think everybody had, there was a ton of people in survivor pools that got knocked out in week one because of a crazy, I can't remember what the upset was, but it was a yeah. crazy upset week one. I remember that there were like a lot of survivor pools that went down by like 50% right. after the first couple weeks. So uh, yeah, I don't remember what game it was either, but 
All right, my favorite pick of the week. I'm just on a hatred tour. North Carolina State, you might remember, was a team that I, I took as one of my favorite bets last week, and uh, it did not work out for me. It was uh, They won 24-14 over UConn. It was a 14.5-point spread. They had about 17 different chances to score a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth touchdown and didn't find a way to do it. So this week, I'm picking against them. Notre Dame minus 7.5 over NC State, uh, mainly because I'm pissed off with NC State. Hey, Notre Dame looks good. They, 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 their offense looks really, really good. I know who they've played. It's been Navy in, in Tennessee State, but I mean, but it's a legitimate quarterback at the helm now. That's a, and I said a few weeks ago, it's like, well, when they've played the teams like Ohio State, they've never had, you know, Ohio State always has elite guys, and Notre Dame's like, oh, their guy's okay, but you know, he's going to be the backup at Alabama in a year or two, right? Whatever. And um, this year, Ohio State kind of looks like right now. This is week one, but Ohio State kind of looks like the team with the. Uh, I don't know if they have the elite quarterback this year, and. I don't know that Sam Hartman's elite, but he's pretty damn good at the college level. From damn good at the college level. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, your favorite bet last week, Utah minus four and a half hit easily. That was a great call. And that was course. without the quarterback. Yeah. I, that was crazy. People started betting against him like cra- uh, like wild in the last few hours going up to the game because there were all that injury information coming out and their quarterback didn't play, but they end up winning easily anyways over Florida. I did, by the way, my Alabama minus nine and a half first quarter against MTSU did cash. So yeah, well, they were up three touchdowns, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It was an easy cash. All right. So ask any, anything, we got a lot to get to here. How many years will it take the Bengals all time playoff record to reach 500 or better? Their current record is 10 and 16. I'll say by 2027. Four years. Yeah. Okay. I said five. I said five. I think they'll win a Super Bowl in the next five years, and I think that will get them to it. And, and that will be dependent on either a three and zero run, and if they're the, if they're a higher seed or, or a four and zero run, which they had to had to try to do a couple of years ago. Exactly. And what I had to do last year too. Right. I mean, I've, you've probably figured most years it's going to be like assuming things stay the way they are. It's like two and one. Most years yeah. you're going to win like one or two games, and and then before you bow out. Uh, I think one of the years, though, in the next five, they'll win a Super Bowl, and that'll put them over that 500 threshold. All right, what does Skinny think of Duke quarterback Riley Leonard's mom sending him texts telling him, you suck before every game in order to help keep his ego in check? I, I love it. I mean, tough love. I'm a tough love guy, as you know. I that mean, seems I, like I, something I, you might have tried with your daughters at one point. That's right, right That's right up my alley. I, I love it. I hope he takes it to heart. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was that was the week one shocker, right? I mean, just the way they handled Clemson. So maybe she pushed him in the right direction. It seems like it's working. And I th- I felt when I saw this story, they were talking about it during the game. Um, I was thinking this lady feels like she's from the Richard Skinner coaching tree. Apparently, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. no, you, you got to tell them after the game, hey, you were great. I I, lo- I loved all the things you did. And then you go back to next week, going, don't forget how much you suck. And remember these passes you missed. Hit them this week. I love it. All right. Let's say hypothetically you are gifted tickets to an event through the generosity of a host associated with one team, but you're a fan of the other team. What are your ethical obligations at the event? Can you root for your team? Wear their colors? Do you have to adjust your behavior? So I'm always the guy that that if, if and I've suggested this to my friend who's I'm going up, up to Cleveland with, he and some other guys where four of us are going up together and they're going as fans. I've always suggested, and he's pretty good about this. He wears Bengals colors. He's got Zuba pants he wears, uh, Bengals Zuba pants. But he doesn't openly like go crazy rooting and, and pointing fingers. I, I, I think in this case, you can root, but just do it to yourself. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I think everybody, when they root, thinks that you have to be vocal about it. You can just quite, especially on the road, quietly root. 
Well, I also don't think any fan really cares if you're just rooting for your team. The, right. the problem comes in when you're like turning to them and be like talking trash to them, which correct. is a very weird thing for adults to do in a stadium correct. arena. Anyway, That's the guy correct. who asked this question would never do any of those things. I'm not sure why he's even asking the question. I think his, I mean, his decorum will be completely fine. He has nothing to be concerned about. I don't think there's any issue with wearing your team's apparel. Uh, like maybe if you're going to a business event where you're sitting with this, like if this guy has a suite and you're going yeah. into a suite, maybe you yeah. don't wear your team's stuff in it. But I mean, if they just gave you some tickets and you're randomly in the crowd, then yeah, wear your, wear your team's and, 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 and since you're asking me that question, I don't wear team stuff. <laughs> I, I will say I have a, a UK pullover, uh, three quarter zip that, that I, will wear to a UK home game, but I, yeah, if I'm, if, if, if I go to a Kentucky road game, I would not wear anything Kentucky. Let me just be very clear. Our rules about what we wear to team stuff are our rules. We're not judging everybody no, you else. Do you, my, man. My, I have my neighbor now who came out of the, the house on the way to the Bengals game in a in a jersey the other day, and he's like, oh, sorry, I'm under the age limit that you set for guys wearing jerseys. I'm like, hey, it's up to you. I have no no issue with that. That's a me thing. Yeah, you do you, you do you, man. <laughs> do you guys play fantasy football? If so, what are your team names? Um, mine is I, I I've got one league. It's it's skin flutes, and one league it's skin for the win. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm glad this person asked that. I hated that question originally. I love it now. It's a good question. I do not play. I hate fantasy football. I know you do. I I'm in two leagues. As the time nears to put away the summertime short pants. Does Skinny have a hot take when it comes to the trend of the four-inch and five-inch inseam shorts for guys? I, I don't. I, I, I'd have to see. What, what what do they look like? No, it's just short shorts. That, short shorts? Yeah, yeah, and like guys are getting back into wearing the really short shorts. I, and- I never I never liked those. I, I look back at some of the stuff from like I played – I've got a, a, a picture from when I played on my dad's American Airlines softball team and back in the bike. Those were the bike short days. Remember oh, the yeah. bike coaches shorts? God, they were awful. Those weird they, cotton things, and they they like were stretchy, but they weren't. Yeah, they, that's a weird material. Yeah, looking back on those, you're looking like God, dog. Did I look like a goof? I probably yeah. still look like a goof to many people, but I really looked like a goof then. Well, those things had like a weird quality to them that made them kind of look like you were wearing like a work uniform or something. But they were athletic shorts. Yeah, ah. no, they were they were coaches shorts. I mean, they they, they a lot of a lot of it's what they were called coaches shorts for lack of a better term. Yeah, but everyone wore them to play like softball, and like you were yes, saying, correct. Like people wore yeah. them all over. It was yeah, yeah strange look. No, uh, I, I, I I like the length of short pants today. I don't. I, yeah, I don't want to go back to the shorter short pants. No. Yeah, they're getting they're getting shorter and shorter again. But I I'm think not, the, I'm, I'm I'm keeping my slack my summertime short pants. That's why they're summertime short pants. They're slacky shorts. But you never went to like the nine inch inseam like when I was. No college and stuff. You were never going like down no, your knees. Either. Those, you were those always, are the people I would laugh at when I cro- when I walk by them and go, seriously, what, yeah. what are we trying to do? Right. So I, my thing with the short shorts is you, you got to be in shape, man. Oh, for just sure. Don't, don't be the big guy wearing the, the short shorts. That's a tough look. Because the second you bend over, the crack's coming out, bro. That and it's just it's, you know, your pockets are looking yeah, weird. It's, it's, Every, it's just tough to look fed for the rest of us. Yeah. Uh all right, what does Skinny think of Taylor Swift turning her concert tour into a movie and selling out AMC theaters across the country? Is he going to go with his daughters? Not a chance in the world, but, man, she is a genius, yes? It's unbelievable. How, how will people behave at this, do you think? Like, are they going to be singing in the theater? Oh, or absolutely. Are they going to be singing and dancing? That's oh, a weird dynamic. It is that's a weird cool. dynamic, but you know that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Do you I think- pity, let me just tell you, I pity any man that has to go to that because he feels it's the thing he has to do with girlfriend 
or maybe newlywed or somebody he's dating. I feel for you, man. I, I do. There's about to be some high school, college age dudes that end up in just a crying mess of a theater with, I mean, if you've seen the girls at this thing, they're oh. like falling down over songs when they get played and stuff. So there's going to be some young boyfriends that stumbled into something that they weren't ready. Yep, for. You were not ready that. for emotionally guy. Do you think more artists slash creator, I don't know, maybe like a comedian potentially will try to do this where they like go film their live event on tour and then put it in a theater or I mean, she's just the I, only one that's even remotely big enough to try. I mean, one, one of the, th- I, I saw Eddie Murphy raw in a theater. It was great. Really? Yeah. See, I think like, could you imagine IMAX concerts? Yeah. I would love seeing a concert and I, I'm big into now when they started doing like the Amazon streaming live concerts for different artists while they're in California, or whatever. I love turning those on being in the comfort of my own home turning up the sound the way I want and having no one around me. I, I wish I had gone when uh, they, they had a Rolling Stones uh, concert at IMAX. Not, oh, not too many years ago. I, I didn't wish know I, they were I doing it. Yeah. I wish I had gone. So this I'm is a thing that's it. already been done then. I see. I would love that. I think that's, they, they should do more of that. I agree. Yeah. I Taylor Swift really is. I mean, you were around for the Michael Jackson thing. Sure. She's really like that big, isn't she? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you go back to some of those, like she's Elvis big. I mean, wow. You know, yeah, it's, it's it's insane. I've never never seen anything like it during my era. I think the the thing I remember is Michael Jackson when I was younger being constantly huge. And people yeah. talk about the Beatles all the time being that way, but she's really like that. Yeah, no question. Yeah. All right. We we finally got to our final thing. We've got a video aid for this one, as we sometimes do is now it, on our YouTube channel. So is, go it to a local- guy, is it a guy having to leave to go to the restroom again? Uh basically, yeah. Uh okay. pretty much. You probably already saw this story because it made national headlines. Um a flight that was headed from Atlanta to Barcelona was forced to turn I, I, around. I'm going to stop you saying, I, I, I heard of this story. I've not seen it. So, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this. Yes. After a passenger had diarrhea in an audio transmission from the flight deck posted on X, formerly Twitter, by an aviation enthusiast, the pilot said, quote, this is a biohazard issue. We've had a passenger who's had diarrhea all the way through the airplane, so they want us to come back to Atlanta. Oh, my heavens. Okay, so, Skinny, here we go. This is a look at the plane. Again, we're playing this on our YouTube channel, Local 12's YouTube page. You can find the skinny podcast oh, every week. Are you skinny. serious? When they said all through the plane, I did not, not lying. They're not I, lying. Right. I did not understand what all through the plane. Oh, my, that, that oh part's my. bad. That part's bad. Yeah. But when they said all through the plane, I was like, come on. What does all through the plane mean? Like a little bit in a seat or something? But, but no, it is all through the plane. Could the dude not make it to the to the restroom? You see the video? Does it look like? Uh, no, obviously oh, you couldn't. This okay, is all, that's enough. That's this enough. is just sprayed everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's maybe the I worst. I can't imagine being on that flight, man. It's bad enough. We've talked about this. When all of a sudden you get that that smell that comes out of nowhere, you're like, which one of you SOBs just dropped one? Where, where, and I guess we start looking around trying to find the culprit. I've said on this very podcast before that an SBD on an airplane is domestic terrorism. Agreed. I, well, in this case, it would have been international because you're going to Barcelona. But like, yeah, I think that is terrorism when you fart on a plane and people have to smell it. To diarrhea all over it. This man, I hate to say it. I know he's having a stomach issue. He should be in jail. I, Sorry. That, that, that's disgusting. Yeah. You, there's not, It's not like that just hits you when you got on the plane. You Agreed. had to know before the plane happened that you were right. having some serious problems. That Correct. is, first of all, how do you have that much waste inside of you? I don't know, man. That that's... covered just the entire row yeah. leading up from the back to the bathroom. Whew. I just can't imagine being a passenger. And what do you, yeah, what do you think was the attitude? Because we got a question. I mean, multiple people asked us to talk about this, but someone said, what do you think the general attitude by other passengers was towards the offender on the ride back? 
And should they be on a no-fly list now? <laughs> yes, they should be on a no-fly list. Yes, definitely. If you can't control it like that and you have no concept of that's yeah. about to happen to you, you should not be allowed to fly again. I'm sorry, that's you're a driver. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And what what but he's right. What do you think? So that guy goes to the bathroom eventually, he gets kind of cleaned up. They make the announcement like, hey, we're turning back to this cross, you know, international flight to Barcelona. We're going you've back probably to planned, You've planned for for a long time right. to make that trip, right? It's ruining people's plans, vacations, uh, business trips, I'm sure. Like big, important, a lot of money spent stuff. What do you think they were like when he goes back and then comes back and sits down? Do you put him back in the seat? Who wants to sit next to that guy? Nobody. I'd say you spend the rest of the flight in the toilet and when we land, you don't even get to, you don't, honestly, you don't even get to, to have a seatbelt and if something happens and you crash into the wall, too bad. I mean, honestly, I, I truly hope this, this person, you know, didn't have a real medical condition. Um, oh, they that led I, to this, obviously. That, that led to this. But if it's just that, you know, your garden variety, that, um, that we've all dealt with at some point in our lifetime, bro, you're right. You needed, you had to know that going in. I promise you, I've never dealt with anything like that in my life. That is insane. I, Me, uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, if you didn't click on our YouTube to see that video, yeah, there's waste all over the aisle. All I've, never, I've never seen anything like I, I just can't imagine. And you're like, at some point, I might have even got out of my seat and gone, you ain't coming up any further, buddy. Head backwards. <laughs> yeah, like you stay right there. I, I've that told smell, you, though. Oh, my I think God. I've told this story. So the first couple of times I flew after 9-11, it was dicey. You're just, you still don't know. You felt better because you felt like there were certainly far more safety precautions. But you still, you just didn't know. So for the first few times I flew, I would get my, my laptop bag. And I'd put it on my lap and then I'd look around for a guy or, or a woman that I potentially thought might be somebody ready to take over this plane. And my whole thought process was the second they get up for whatever reason, it may just be the most innocent thing ever. I'm swinging this bag at him and they're going down. <laughs> Could you imagine the guy who gets up just to use the restroom and yep. he just cold cocks him with a laptop bag? I stereotype that guy. Sorry, my guy. I stereotype you. You would have been the lizard lady. Yeah, the lizard lady said he's not real, and try, she got kicked off the plane. That would have been you after knocking somebody out with your laptop. Yep. You're like, trust me, he's a terrorist. Yeah, he's doing no. you guys a favor. Yeah, I, I'm just saying everybody, everybody on this flight is solid. <laughs> but I really did that. I really had that bag sitting in my lap, going, "Hope that guy doesn't get up. I just hope he doesn't get up." <laughs> uh, that's why this podcast is so great. Uh, that's all we got. All right, Rick, appreciate it as always. Thanks for the questions as well. Great college football weekend ahead. Of course, the NFL and Bengals, and we'll talk all about that on next week's podcast. Reminder, join Chris Renkel and I following the Bengals uh, game this Sunday. We'll have a recap podcast from that as well. I'll be in Cleveland. Chris will be in studio. But catch the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals post-game edition with Chris Renkel and myself. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. For the Skinny Podcast, presented by Blake Attorney Mason.